Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast for the last major race recap of the season, the last monument of the season, Il Lombardia on Saturday, the 7th of October. Beautiful weather throughout most of Europe at the moment for this 240k course from Como to Bergamo. It's the 2021 route with longer climbs. Madonna del Ghisarlo, Roncola, 7.5k, 7.3%. Paso della Crocetta, 12k, 6%. Descent, and then the main climb of the day, the Paso di Ganda, 9k, 7.1%. Before a little sort of, is a ridge actually? Uh, before they get to Salvino of 5Ks, it's a bit of a false summit at the top of Ganda before a uh, 12K descent, 10K flat, kicker on the Collier Perto, and then a flat finish in Bergamo. The favorite was Pagaccio, Roglic second favorite, Remco third. I liked El Hagua, you liked El Hagua, Benji. Um, who else was outsiders? I guess Vlasov has come second in this race before. Was there anyone else we need? Carlos Rodriguez too, he's been good here. Yeah, they've been good, but I also felt like it was going to be either one of the three riders that were the favorites. Like, we have our Karapas pick, but also next to that, Pogacar versus Roglic. I, I never truly believed someone else would win, even though, like, Adam Yates could win from some tactical choices made by UAE, for example. So I was mainly curious what was going to happen when it comes to their tactics. Were they going to once again go all out for Pogacar, or would they change from that trajectory and go to a strategy that is basically the leader strategy between using Adam Yates to try and benefit both Adam Yates and Pogacar. We'll get into that later. Uh, yeah, it's, they've, that's the beauty of these two warm-up races. And yeah, UAE want to win them, sure. Poggy wants to win them. But we've seen the last three years or however long, they are a tune-up race. They, they iron out. And even if you make mistakes, it doesn't matter because if you get it right at the big race that you're tuning up for, no one remembers, no offense to Van Wilder, I see. I'm already, I'm already proving my point. No <laughs> one remembers in two years who won Trey Valley Varesini yep. or Gran Piemonte, which actually was, they're both exciting races. I love watching them, but that's just how they view them. And that's how the big stars should view them. But speaking of big stars, we will be at Rouleur live this year in London. We can't wait. We're doing our first ever live show. We're really happy to be going. And it's not your normal bike show. It's Ruler Magazine brought to life from the 2nd to the 4th of November in the Truman Brewery in London, a great area of London, I must say. We will be the Lantern Roof Cycling Podcast on stage alongside Jay Vine on Friday, November 3rd at about 7 o'clock in the evening discussing the mergers, non-mergers, off-season transfers, if they've been ironed out by then, and looking forward to the 2024 season. There'll also be Geraint Thomas, Van Vleuten, Nibali, Benji will be there at that one for sure, as well as a whole <laughs> host of other stars and 50 of the best cycling brands with exciting new product releases. So if you want to see us at Ruler Live, tickets are available on Ruler's website, ruler.cc slash live general admission is 25 pounds or get the full vip package with food and drinks included but viewers or listeners can get 10 percent off that uh, ticket price with our code all capitals lantern 10 l-a-n-t-e-r-n-e-1-0 Rulo Live sells out every year, so make sure to uh, book now if you want to see us there. And we're the last uh, actor that day, so we'll be. Uh, I'm really keen to meet everybody because I think London's our biggest city just about for the podcast, so I can't wait to see everybody. And um, yeah, make sure you use Lantern 10 to get 10% off if you do want to come as well. Uh, yeah. And Benji, you live, in, you live in England. Yeah, I've moved. And I went to Ruler Live last year, and it was actually really fun. It's like, it's not... There's not 5,000 people to the point that you can't meet anyone. So you can meet the people that go on stage, which is always fun. And let's be honest, we're going to stay and meet the people that are coming. So that's kind of the main goal of it for us on our end. 
And it's also fun to do something new with the podcast. So I like crossing boundaries we haven't crossed yet. Yeah, it's really good. And what a perfect way to do our first live show. I obviously grew up in London. So in case people didn't know, so I haven't been back for a long time. So I'm keen to see, <laughs> I'm keen to go back as well uh, and have a little holiday afterwards. Anyway, back to Lombardia. I got to say, this isn't my favorite race because I, th- <laughs> I just think it's Hilly Liège, uh, Hilly MSR, this oh, parkour okay. in particular. Like, I had to work all day today and I, I knew just following closely, just what checking in, nothing was going to happen until Paso de Ganda. Like, can any favorite move that early, Benji? Because Crochet is just not hard enough. I agree. Crochetta was not hard enough, but I saw those climbs as a different, a different thing in the race, like attrition climbs, but also climbs you could use tactically if you're a different team, for example. And we saw that in the race. I'll quickly get to it. Large breakaway of 16 riders, including Thomas de Gent. But that breakaway will kind of be irrelevant. There might be some leftover riders later on, but they won't necessarily influence the race too much. We have a crash by Demko Evenepoel early on. And this is a crash where... I feel like he goes through a corner with the rest of the peloton and he kind of steers out of the corner a bit, ends up hitting short bucks and crashes as a consequence. Yeah, there's fan video, right? There's some, a yep. fan was front on and because they didn't catch her in the cameras. It was in brake formation, I think, with like 20Ks, yep. 25Ks done. You're right, he runs wide. And short backs, I think he's getting surgery. I think the UAE tweet said he had a... He broke his neck femur or yep. fractured the neck of his femur. I don't know exactly what that is, but fuck, that's... That's the worst way to finish his season. He actually had a fantastic end of the season last year, which is when UA picked him up uh, and had a good year this year. So that's a shame. Remco looked really wobbly, looked sore. Yeah. It just looked very sore. Took a while to get up and get back going. Eventually does blood on the left hip and the left elbow. Immediately, I thought, against Pog in Lombardia, you got to have everything go right for you. And if you're 1% off, you can't win. So I... I gotta admit, when he crashed, I was like, he can't win. Okay. Not, he can't win because Pog is, you can't have anything bad like that happen. And because he looks so sore. I somewhat agree. Might get back to that at the end of this entire episode. But the continuing onwards, that breakaway was ahead, didn't get too much of a gap, roughly three minutes, because the peloton was being paced by EF and Yambo Visma. And I was thinking, UAE's not pacing at the moment. Then I'm like, if you're EF and if you're Yumbo, isn't the whole point of your strategy today trying to make sure that UAE has as little people as possible at the foot of the final climb, hoping that that forces that emeates into domesticing for Pogacar again? That's how I saw that. But on the other hand, if UAE just isn't making that move, just isn't blinking, just isn't pacing, what else are you going to do? I guess, yeah, I mean, EF, I think... You don't need a pace. Like if you're yeah. EF, don't you want the breakaway to go far so Healy can bridge to a stronger and bigger breakaway when yep. he goes early? That's what I would think. Um, but yeah, UAE just... <laughs> their tactics today were so good. They were, yep. It looked night and day, honestly, compared to the previous races. Maybe that was the plan all along. Maybe they learned from the previous <laughs> races, but they were really, really Mate. good, their tactics today. Our tactics for the Italian Classics are we're going to be terribly tactically at every single race running up to the final one and then trying to win the final one with good tactics. Even though like they've had good races so far, but it was like Emilia and Trevali Varezine, they could have played it better. Yeah, they I maybe underappreciated how good Adam Yates is and how if Pagatch is not just way better than everybody else on the climbs, how Adam Yates can really help make a difference. But yep. Yeah, we get to Paso de la Crocetta. Uh, Healy goes early. He had to. He's not going to yep. stay with the Monganda. It's a great... That's the thing. He has to. That's the thing I was looking for in this Paso de la Crocetta because I was seeing that as a climb to anticipate, to make it harder on a Yambo and a UAE. If you're EF, for example, try and limit the riders off each of those teams because you want to get to the final climb in a situation where if Carapaz goes, that Rolex and Pogacar look at each other. That's the only thing you were looking for it. Any team outside of those two teams, in my opinion. And Healy does that perfectly by forcing a bit of an extra attack. Like, if the breakaway is caught, the regular breakaway, there's, there's now added pressure to that by Healy making that move. And I feel like it wasn't the only move. Eh? Healy and Only was kind of a duo move with then a counter behind. I found that a bit of a weird counter, as in Ulysses was in that, that counter. 
Voltra expected to make that move. We we spoke about that on the podcast, on the on the preview that we also see UAE really trying to put pressure on the domestiques of UAE. But then the domestique of UAE was in that group. <laughs> so that was kind of curious. Yeah. Von Wilder was also in that group. That's a bit early, I reckon. But we then saw a counter of Jungles with uh, three other riders. But Jumbo Visma with Trotnik was the one chasing that down, even though they had Valter at the front. Do you think that is the right decision? Do they not feel like Valter was the strongest in that situation? Yeah, I was surprised to see that, to be honest, because isn't the whole, shouldn't the whole game plan be to hope that UAE burn Yates too early again and panic yeah. a little bit? And so if they're using Ulisi and uh, who are, like, they got Micah and he or she, I guess they could put he or she to pace, they probably wouldn't want to do that either. I, I think you let that play out because Pog yeah. is, Pog is the favorite. It's not, there was not two joint favorites. Pog was the favorite for this race. He's won it twice in a row and he can win it uphill, downhill and, and in a sprint. And Formula was showing weakness as well. The second like yeah. those attacks happened, I felt like he was moving backwards and then five minutes later he was off the back of the group. But to be clear, only Hillian only really had a, an actual move that went on this climb because the other attacks that we mentioned, the Ulisi, Walter von Wilder, they got caught by the pace of Trotnik by Jumbo Visma in the peloton again. So Healy's off, bridging to the breakaway only as well, but Healy was the strongest there. We saw only having weakness on the next climb, which is basically that Zambla Alta at the top of the, of the Paso de la Crocetta. And on that climb, Healy's pace was just too hard for only. There was, I reckon, one Bardiani rider that I could follow. Marcelusi, that's pure guess in my head. I completely forgot which rider was in that breakaway. But in the peloton, there was a crash. We had Remco crash earlier on. And then well, Hogwarts is involved together with the teammate Chavez. Yeah. And also Mikel Landan. That one looked a bit worse. Worse for Landa. He was very yeah. sore and also bad timing too uh, because they took a long time to get untangled and they're about to go into this descent. Yumbo, I think, were pushing it with Tratnik and Volta trying to keep Roglic forward on the descent. Just a bad time to crash. And I don't really know how it happened. The camera cut there a bit too late, but yeah, that was a shame. For all three riders, frankly, I think Carapaz had really good legs coming into this race. He did at the end too, and it kind of helped him for the, the main course coming up, the Paso de Gander, about 20 to 25 minutes long, this climb, steep enough that you can make a difference, not so steep that drafting doesn't matter. It's it's a right in the middle. It's very similar to, how long is Perisud? Let me have a look at Perisud. Uh, in 2020, because this is the bread and butter for Pagacha, this sort of uh, climb. about It's identical. It's identical to the Col de Parasud. Uh, so I thought it suited him. But the question was, Benji, <laughs> were UAE going to press the Adam Yates smash button and just put it yep. on the front to just pace and hope Poggy was the best? Because, like, if you look at the teams at the foot of that, Paso de Ganda, Trotnik was still there after lots of work. Kelderman, Walter, and Primoz. That's the Umbo team. Yoi's looking at Ulisi, Micah, Adam Yates, Hirschi, and Pogacar. I do feel like Ulisi was gone pretty quickly after that. Trotnik and Kelderman too. Quick step had Van Sevenand, Alaphilippe, Van Wilder, and Remco. And Van Sevenand was gone pretty quickly as well. And I feel like I didn't see Van Wilder too long either after that. It was really... Um, Bajoli was also there. Don't forget Bajoli. Pretty important rider in this race. So that's what it looks like before we start this climb. And, well, the gap to the front, Healy, is 40 seconds. And at the foot of the climb, I feel like Alaphilippe came forward for like four seconds before Ulisi made his move, but then dropped. And then the next UAE rider tried to uh, take over before we saw an attack by Adam Yates. So we do see move on this climb. And it was a proper attack. It wasn't just the... He, he got a gap behind him and just kept on pacing. This was an attempt to to try and get a gap on the others and force Roglic, who still had Attila Walter, to close that down. So Walter goes at the front of that group and starts chasing down Adam Yates. And I'm like, we saw Hirschi. I don't think I saw Hirschi at the front of the group before Adam Yates attacked. And I'm wondering, wouldn't you have rather used Hirschi before Adam Yates? I think they were trying to keep Hirschi just in case and like a third group comes back at the end of the race. But I would rather have seen him try and drop Walter before Adam Yates' attack happens because Adam Yates and Pogacar duo attacking Roglic is what you want, not 
them attacking yeah. Volter with Roglic, you know? You need to put you need to use your last domestique, not Adam Yates, to basically put Volter to the limit where he can't uh pace anymore. And so that's what they they, they didn't do that, but Yates was just so strong. Um yeah, I thought Yates was just incredibly strong again today. It, yeah. yeah, that small thing aside with he or she, maybe, yeah, they should have used him before, but they used him aggressively. And Pagacha, this time, we saw an Emilia. One rider went to Yates' wheel, and Pog just snapped it, closed it. Went th- and today he was much more relaxed, letting the race dynamics on Paso de Ganda play out a little bit more, letting Yates go ahead with other riders. Uh, he was with... Maybe Simon Yates, his brother. Um, this is on multiple attacks. He was yep. with Vlasov, Rodriguez, Carapaz, Bridges Across. Even Chris Harper was there. And he starts pacing that group. And Pagatcha today, yeah, he's letting all these second-tier favorites go with Adam Yates. And so Roglic, who was basically just looking at Pagatcha the whole time, is left in a pretty pretty bad situation i don't know if he couldn't follow yates el Haguar, etc the simon that is on felipe nah. um you don't you think he was bad on ganda no 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 i reckon he was just in the wheel of pogacar and yeah. then realized afterwards oh shit pogacar's actually betting on adam yates in that front group yep because genuinely it looked like this we saw i don't think it was even adam yates that made that actual move that created that situation he followed some group that did that and it was so serious that on the left back of your screen you saw Pogacar with Roglic in the wheel and Pogacar just sitting up with Roglic in his wheel and yeah. the second there was a gap in front of them I was like oh this is a dangerous game you're playing Primoz I don't think he was bad yet at that moment I reckon he was trying to play it clever what do you think I think uh, Pog even I fell for a little bit I actually fell for it because I'm so used to the way they've used Yates before yeah, I was like, wow, this is a complete 180 that Pog is allowing this to happen. Maybe he doesn't feel good. Um, maybe Roglic started to think that as well. And yeah, he starts to pace and then Pog, I don't know if Pog eventually got another rider in between him mm-hmm. and, and Roglic and he just snapped closed teleports across to G1. And I'm like, wow, UAE have, they've used the Yumbo tactics of uh, Havalambre or wherever. They're using yeah. more of those Yumbo tactics and using Yates properly, and it worked really, really well. There's dual leader strategies, eh? Yeah. It's like, you've got two leaders, the way to do it is to force your opponent to chase one of them with the other one in the wheel, and that's and no exactly what we see here. Except exactly. for Harper, for a little bit, and Masnada was yo-yoing, Bagioli was there, Carapaz looking good, and Pogaccio gets across, attacks immediately on Ganda. Vlasov waits in that group on Simon Yates' wheel, and he snap-closes Pog so fast. Yeah, I feel like at that situation, Pogacar's attack wasn't like immediately, immediately. It felt like he kind of waited until Roglic yeah, came yeah. back almost on the wheel of the group and then tried to like put the nail in the coffin. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, I will say, I gotta be honest, Pogacar makes that move. Vlasov jumps like crazy towards him, like you said. But when that gap happened and Roglic kept on pacing behind, I was confident Primoz was going to make it back because... Pogacar did not seem super dominant on this climb either. It, it was, doesn't feel like he was riding away from everybody. Was Pogacar solo? This reminded me a lot of the Olympics road race. That's why I like Carapaz for it, because it had mm-hmm. a 20-25 a minute climb and then a descent and a rolling section afterwards. It is very, Mikuni. very similar. Yeah, was, was Pog solo on Makuni? I do not remember. I remember Betiol holding on for a while, but... And I got the feeling of that that you just described that no one was really going to get a huge gap here. It was like the gap never really, Elastic never snapped. Vlasov, I feel like, was pulling almost stronger than Pog at the end of Ganda. In the interview afterwards, Pog said he was actually like, wow, like Vlasov is pulling really hard here. Um, It wasn't just Pog towing him. I don't know which one was stronger. Um. And yet, what was curious to me, and this is a really, like, the race is really here. Pog Vlasov relaying, Pog's happy to go to the finish. I think Vlasov's happy to go to the finish like that. Carapaz, Bagioli, that's the big turn-off for the books. Mm-hmm. Rodriguez, Carlos, Roglic, Simon Yates, Adam Yates is just dangling off the back. I'm sorry if I've forgotten anybody else. 
Well, Remco dropped, eh? Remco, sorry, Remco's gone. We forgot about Remco, yeah. but Remco's gone. <laughs> Roglic snap closes them right at the end when yeah. the group with Rodriguez and Simon Yates, I felt like was making really good headway back to Vlasov and Pogacar. Like, when there was about two minutes left of the climb, I thought they're going to be caught 100%. Um, did Roglic need to make that that huge effort right at the end of the climb? Maybe, because you want them closed before the descent, I guess. Yeah, on one end, you want that. On the other end, maybe with two years ago in mind, you would have predicted that Pogacar might not have the best ascent here, but let's be honest about it. Once he hit the descent, it was better than two years ago. But saying that, I don't know if he should have done that, but I understand where it came from from Roglic. I do understand that he wanted to close them before the top. That feels like a logical thing if you're in that situation. And also because you, you might be scared that if you get over the top and some of these descending parts in the first segment are not super steep. There's some false flat descending straights in there. Then you could be worried that a group two syndrome could form in that descent already. And maybe that's what he feared. Maybe that's why he tried to bridge up towards the top, but he did bridge up. He brought himself back to, back to them directly at the top. And that's when the rest also started gradually coming back. I think Bajoli was actually the one that was pushing the, yeah. the others to come back, which Bajoli at this point Quickest was riding one, one of the best races of his career at this point, genuinely. Yeah, but and it, on a flat, I'll take him, actually, given how he sprinted against your boy. Yeah. We didn't do a pod, but Benji Aramburu, what the fuck was he doing in Gran Piemonte? <laughs> I don't want to talk about that it. That was shambolic, man. <laughs> he catches the group, <laughs> and then he leads them out. From 500, 400 meters. And, and not just, like, leading them out, like, ready to snap. He High-speed, like a high-speed lead-out the whole way. I don't know, but I vividly remember that I uh, read somewhere that Valverde is doing his DS uh, course right now. <laughs> and I'm wondering, maybe he was in the car already. Because that would explain. He did the same exact thing last year, right? In Agostoni? Val uh, Aaron Baru or Valverde? Valverde. No, Valverde's on that Liège. He led it out from 500. <laughs> World champs. He's lucky he was sprinting against Woods in Bardet. He led that out from a mile away. <laughs> Yeah, Bagioli's got the quickest sprint, I think, on the flat marginally from that group. He's also got a decent race now, so bow him. And we, we don't, as soon as we're trying to think about these things, as I said, it's kind of, it's, it's on, it doesn't go straight into the descent on Paso de Ganda. There's a little mm -hmm. kicker. And i, I got to watch it again, but to me it looks like Vlasov rolls off. Yeah. Hoggy's right. there on the left. People are rolling through. They're not really pushing. Why would you push? And Poggy's got Yates that can come back. He's not far behind either. And Roglic, instead of taking Pog's wheel, lets the gap open up and just virtually puts the, the anchors on. Pog rolls off the front, looks back, sees he's got a gap, pedals a bit, looks back again. And you can almost see him thinking in real time, oh, this is 27Ks to go, it's flat, there's a whole group there. And he's like, they're really not chasing and the gap's opening up for free and then he pushes and there's no reaction behind. I was like, what is Roglic doing there? You've done all this effort, 15 minutes on Gandhi, you've chased and then you just let Pog's wheel go on the descent. It makes no sense. In the moment, I had completely missed the moment that the gap opened because I was like, oh, we're at the top, I'm quickly going to take a piss and I'll come back. And then the gap was there. But when the race ended, I went back to this exact moment and I relooked, and it looks like Vlasov is actually in the wheel of Pogacar at a certain point in that descent. And it goes to the right and Roglic basically takes the wheel. It's, it's like five meters, two meters, three meters. It's, it's barely a difference between the two at that point. And then, you, like you said, the gap gradually starts opening up. and I don't know if he was pushing already, Pogacar. I generally can't tell you from the, from the shot, but he definitely started pushing when he looked back in one of the corners and saw a proper gap. And what I think, based on what happened later, we get into that descent a bit further and the gap is opening up properly, 15 seconds now, and we get to this point where false flat straight descent. And Pogacar has those seconds on the group behind and Roglic is suddenly dropped by that group, 100 meters behind that chasing group. And I'm like... What the hell? I think Roglic, by bridging up to Pogacar at the top of Paso di Ganda, he completely blew himself up. And I reckon that's the reason that he was, he was completely fucked. 
and I just rewatched it again too. It's it's this little kicker. So Vlas it's this Vlasov just pushes super hard, and Rog was right in the wheel, and I, through the corner where Vlasov has to dip his head, mm -hmm. Rog is you're right. He looks like he's fully on the limit, and Pog yeah. Pog was freewheeling, honestly, as he went away. Pog was was not freewheeling, but just like soft tapping. He, okay. he then starts freewheeling, looks back. You're right. I think completely bizarre from Roglic. Um, it reminds me a bit. Sometimes he has these strange decisions in him, Benji, where he's on the limit and he'll just make a really, like Parasud 2020 tour. Um, this reminds me of that a little bit. It's yeah, very, very I strange. I feel like Parasud was straight up underrating yeah, Pogacar. Yeah from Yumbo's kind of view, while this just to me felt like his legs were fucked and he just couldn't. Or he, w or he was so fucked that he wanted to save energy at yeah, the wrong yeah. moment. Yeah, All he was thinking was, I gotta get in this, I gotta get in someone's wheel, someone else has yeah. to do some work because he felt save tired. Me. Yeah, and, and that's sort of <laughs> indicated by the following descent and the kickers afterwards where he's getting gapped on the descent a little bit. Yeah. Um, and Pog just goes. And I gotta be honest, I thought if Rodriguez would have been attacking on the descent, I was like, this race is fully done because no one has a teammate behind. Roglic, riders are at varying states of tiredness. Mm -hmm. Simon Yates and Rodriguez will be willing to work, but they're tiny and Pog is a truck. And Adam Yates is going to come back and does come back and he's going to mess things up. So like Pog just doesn't get brought back on the flat. And okay, yeah, the descent, I thought... You know, 2021, he even said himself in the interview afterwards, he had a disaster class on the descent in 21. He said it was much, much better today. And it was like, he opens up the gap hugely on the descent. And it's also something to do with freshness. Like Vanderpool on the Poggio descent, because Vanderpool was the strongest, every hairpin where you do mm -hmm. a thousand watt spike, you're doing more watts to get back up to speed. It's not just technique. It's also the fresher rider. And Pog was, as the race gets deeper and harder, these one day races, he just gets better and... I was, I still though, Benji, I was surprised. I never thought he'd take 30 seconds on the descent. I don't know if that's the group behind or what, but I never thought he'd take that much time on this descent. Exactly. Same thing. His ascent was better than two years ago, straight up. Like his cornering was better. Way better. And when he got to the bottom of the descent, I was like, if the gap is actually like this, like Italian time gaps. Sometimes oh, but they... you could see it. Yeah. At certain point it was 50 seconds, but that was because the timer was wrong. So it was like 30 seconds or something at the bottom. And when I felt like they were at the bottom, I, I was just thinking two, two years ago in that second group, and I was like, oh, this is fucked. <laughs> Zero chance. 30 group seconds to Pog with a rolling parkour. <laughs> with no teammates behind. With people looking at Roglic and Bagioli thinking I'm not really that keen on towing you to Colli Aperto <laughs> or the finish. Like, but Zero chance. Out of nowhere comes group three, Remco Evenepoel together yeah. with his teammate Masnada, <laughs> facing the group behind with Hirschi, trying his best not to face at all in that group. And then Hirschi crashes, and we gotta talk about this crash. <laughs> did Remco break check him? Nah, he didn't. Uh, I don't think he did. It's like, Remco moved to the side of the road, he was at the front, he moved to the left side, so the right side from his perspective, and Hirschi is behind him because he... Hirschi's trying to skip turns. He's trying to get to the front and, and, mess, kind up, of, yeah. and mess up the, the group a bit so that they can't get closer and not strengthen the second group so that the second group doesn't catch up with Pogacar. And what happens is Remco is going to the right and probably isn't clearly knowledgeable that Hirschi is in a visual eater and starts moving back and Hirschi is just like, he looks like he's about to have a nap on the side of the road is what you said, right? <laughs> oh yeah, so I got a meeting with the tarmac. Bang. <laughs> <laughs> He was very yeah. But this happens when serious. guys are super tired. This, this Let's happens. hope he's okay. Like, first of all. I think he's fine. I got to show that guy. Okay. Um, and finish. So probably more pride hurt than anything. But yeah. at this very moment, the gap's 50 seconds to group two, 140 to group three. Poggy starts talking on the radio frantically, starts hitting his right thigh, and looks like he, he says he has cramp, goes to the car to get a gel, and we're thinking... Ooh, a group two, if they start yeah. getting their act together, they might actually bring him back. And the gap goes to 40 seconds. And, then group, and then group two starts being a complete disaster straight away again. The ultimate battle. Cramps versus group two <laughs> syndrome. Yeah. Who's going to win? And the thing is like, you don't know because you don't know if the rider that has the cramps is suddenly not going to be able to pedal again because of the cramps. Yeah. And he's got a 1.3k, like... 8%, 7% climb on cobbles <laughs> coming up. 
exactly like he was he was he was slapping or or hammering his own leg at a certain point clear that he had cramps but group two was interesting because like the group two syndrome was so bad that exactly like two years ago the group was starting to split in half in places like yeah it's bad how do we get to this point why does this happen because yates won't take over but the others should yates is doing a good job messing it up uh i didn't see it all but I thought Rog was riding strangely. Sometimes he'd just be in group two randomly and then have to snap close it, I guess. Yeah, but I do feel like he was one of the ones that faced the most in the group. Yeah. Carapaz I mean, was at the back a lot. Carapaz, but he came back on the descent. So he got yeah, dropped on the true. climb. So he came back. So yeah, people don't like when there's someone they think is freeloading, but he's just come back after being dropped. You're also thinking, you're holding a little bit back for Collier Aperto because yep. you're thinking, what if Rog teleports away from me on this kicker? So maybe, you know, if you're a less punchy guy like Carlos Rodriguez, that's also in the back of your mind. So, and? Yeah, or Vlasov. If you're likes of Bajol, you could have the best result of your, yeah. your career if you even finish a podium at Lombardia. Podium so, in a, a monument, Italian monument as an Italian. So it's always annoying when they don't ride fully for the victory, but it's understandable from individual perspectives. Yeah, it's just... Um... Just classic game theory problem, and we see it over and over and over. The only person, Chris Nalen's watching this, and he's thinking, remember <laughs> stage 10 of the tour, the only time this year where group two syndrome didn't take over. Yeah, it's, I've never seen a more committed chase group of guys with no teammates. <laughs> and Chris Nalen's got me thinking, what the fuck? <laughs> um, anyway, Poggy goes clear. No, Cramp's not stopping him. He's extending this gap. He's, he gets better as these races get longer, and, and he wins his third Lombardia in a row, his second monument of the year. He makes our season awards much more interesting in a yep. couple of weeks for who was the best rider or had the best season this year and wins his fifth monument. He's got a Liège, uh, Flanders, three Lombardias. Bajol, Roglic leads out the sprint for second. Uh, of, and he like he let out from a long way. I thought he's going to get rolled, but he actually only Bagioli just comes over the top of him. Roglic third, Vlasov fourth. He's very close in the photo with Roglic. Then the Yates brothers, Rodriguez, all in the same time at 51 seconds. Carapaz eighth. He wasn't faking. He just he got dropped on Collier Perto, I think. Mm -hmm. Remco won the groups, uh, the bunch sprint in uh, group three, four, ninth. Crone finishes out a nice season. Tenth. Uh, Where did Crone come in the yard then? Fourth in Amstel. That's a nice season from yep. Crone. Actually. By the way, question. He's won three Lombardias, one uh, RVV and so forth, blah, 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 blah. How many Lombardias is one Roubaix? Uh, what do you mean? As in, in terms of prestige, winning Roubaix versus how many Lombardias do you have to win to be on that same level of prestige? Because Lombardia one. to me is not at the same. Really? Yeah, I don't, I don't care about this race, i got to say. <laughs> <laughs> like... like I'm just How everyone's tired. Everyone's tired. Yeah. Every classics rider peaks <laughs> for Roubaix. Yeah. Fact, right? It's yeah. the pinnacle. Flanders and Roubaix. They are peak. They're not thinking, I got some other objective. Every classics rider peaks for that. Every climber does not peak for this race or target this no. race. Now that's not to say that Pog wasn't isn't the best at this race. Pog has won this in Small group sprints, small sprints. Mm -hmm. Pog has won, uh, well, yeah, that's the both times he won it. And now he won it in a descent, sort of going clear. Uh, he's won it a different way. You know, he's the best at this racing, winning a multitude of ways, and he's got the best race sense. Um, but that yes, being but said, it's just that's why I think Roubaix's more special, much more special. Fully agree. I would also add to that that Pogacar didn't win today because of dominance. No. He um, won by a percentage. And I feel like the, that means to me that the tactics that UAE displayed actually mattered. For sure. It's not like other days where the tactics don't matter, Pogaccio was strong enough anyway. Today the tactics mattered and probably made that percentage difference. I think so. Because Vlasov was really strong on that climb on Paso de Gander and also, it put Roglic in a very bad position. It tied everybody else out with Yates attacking and then having to, you know, work to get across to him. I think I can't really... Like, UAE played it perfectly. Even if Pog doesn't go clear on the descent, he waits in that group. Adam Yates comes back. They can play Yates on Collier Perto again. 
they, they could have, I assume they would have used him. They wouldn't have just tried to lead it out for 30 kilometers with Yates. They would have tried, tried again. So, yeah, they played it perfectly. Pog, yeah, he didn't say he was, he's like, yeah, I wasn't necessarily out and out the strongest on the climb, but best racer. And yeah. um, when he's just in, on the flat, very, very hard to bring back um, when he goes clear Certainly. on the flat. So, like, Tour of, Flanders, Tour of Flanders, he was gaining on Vanderpool after the last pass of Berg. Amstel Gold Race, car aside, um, you know, he's just very, very difficult to bring back in these races. Impossible, really. Agreed. I, um, yeah, I agree. That's it. Lombardia, over. I will say, Bajoli actually had his best result of his career. Like, we saw after, um, afterwards on the Colle Aperto, Roglic kind of having trouble in that group, so confirming that he wasn't in the best shape anymore. And then towards the end, he came back, but in that second group, we had a sprint between Roglic, between Vlazov, between Bajoli, and Bajoli got second, and we just had an article this, this morning, I think, Lefebvre and his columns are back, and uh, we got to talk about it, man, we got to talk about it, because... I haven't read this one. You haven't read this one? This is an interesting one, because Lefebvre said about, uh, said about Bajoli, I enjoyed his win in Piemonte, he leaves and feels liberated from pressure he imposed on himself. It often happens when riders leaving, but he earned a serious salary and he didn't always justify that with us. I think he, uh, he might have done that today with a podium of Lombardia, because that's the best result he got at Quickstep at the final day racing at Quickstep. Yeah. Unless he does Guangxi. Could, well, I mean, okay, so what? If he wins Guangxi, it's better than this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, you're, I mean, I obviously looked at Bajoli, he's out of contract, and the big question mark was he's got a good reduced sprint. Mm -hmm. He's 62, 64 kilos. He looks like that profile. But then he never climbed well. Yeah. And I'm not talking like, I'm not expecting, I'm not talking GC well, but for example, I looked at Dauphiné 2022 last year, the climb mm -hmm. to, uh, that David Gudu beat Wout Van Aert. And like he got, Alex Kirsch was in that group. That was a group of sort of 20 guys. And I'm thinking if you're pocket Valverde on a 10 minute, 12 minute climb like that, Getting dropped, yeah. Uh, but today, unbelievable on Ganda, really, really impressive. I don't know the watts yet, but still, you look at the company. So, I hope inconsistent. He, he kind of he does this every year, though. He has these flashes, and you think this guy in Liège next year is going to be unreal. And then Montreal Ard last year, yeah, exactly. And then the Ardennes, he sort of goes missing. Maybe it's injuries. I know he maybe had a knee problem or something. <laughs> um, but yeah, I can't wait to see how he goes on on trek, a little trek next year, as one of their. Uh, Maybe one of their Ardennes leader, I dare say. Anything else from this, Benji? Not really. I think that's about it when it comes to Lombardia. There's, uh, there's been some other news in cycling, though, as in uh, numerous news sources. I think, uh, I think Sporza was the first one where I read it, said the merger was over. Old rumors about merger. Merger gone. That's, in my opinion, a very good thing for uh, all the stress within the teams. And... Otherwise, I'm also looking at the shape of if that if the situation is final, because we don't know if it's final, then I'm also like, well, it, the GC wise are kind of spread out for next year, so I'm kind of happy with yeah. that, you know? Podcast stocks are up with four, all the big four, <laughs> the big four on different <laughs> yeah. teams, if that's the yeah. case. But yeah, Lefebvre's article, didn't he say, I'm not talking about it anymore? What he's, yeah. he's, he said it's done behind him, not talking about it on, off the, on the record, off the record, not talking about that anymore. Um, the sports article reported that Bacala is giving the year, the team a two-year lifeline and then yeah. he's winding down investment in it. So, like... If I'm Remco, I'm like, Who are you going to sign in 2025 on a one-year deal that's a good GC domestique? Yeah. So, well, I think there's probably a little bit more to come out of that, but... Yeah. Um, and also, like... yeah. Doesn't Before Lombardia happening. started, Remco said something odd. I, I don't know the exact yeah, that was a weird quote. thing he said, but he said, first we'll raise and then we'll see what happens afterwards. And I was like, can't you just say that nothing will happen? Come on, yeah, man. Yeah, but it's outside the riders' hands. It's not, yeah, but I, the riders thought, aren't making the, they don't have the power. Yeah, but it was about his personal decisions that they were asking. True, yeah. And that's what I was like, come on, man. Why do you have to give us, like, anxiety? <laughs> I think the, or more the, the quick step riders, the non-Remcos, certainly they were fired yeah. up this week. Le, uh, Le Cerf won. 
Van Wilder won, Bajoli won, and came yeah. third, second, second today. So they were fired up this week and they performed so, really well. In other words, every time Quickstep has a bad season, Patrick Lefebvre should invent a merger with someone else just for the sake of. But they didn't. <laughs> they didn't have a bad season. I thought they uh, had a good season. Yeah. Um, Quite a lot of victories, no? Because I was listening to. Um, I was listening to what's occurring, and mm -hmm. I always I actually really like it. I gotta say, I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, it's just it's very different to this pod, obviously. But yeah, they were listening. Oh, why Ineos is so much better for Remco? And then they were listening to teams that won Grand Tours recently, and they're like, you know, we won them. I was like, well, actually, Quickstep won one more recently uh, yeah. than Ineos. So Quickstep aren't so bad. I've been saying this for a while, but obviously, it is not good to have all this uh, drama behind the scenes. Um, so yeah, we'll see. I. I don't really see how but, he could go to Ineos. By the way, when it comes to the, the What's Occurring podcast, I read somewhere that Thomas said something about UAE not having surpassed Ineos. Was that meant as a joke or not? No, no well, I don't think it was a joke. He more meant um, like they just got Pog. Oh, in that sense. But I disagree with that. Yeah, like, of course, it's not correct. <laughs> <laughs> but I like Adam Yates. Came third in the tour this year as a domestique, yeah. and it's a pretty good rider. So it's not just Pog. Um, like I if you look, it's a better GC rider than anyone on Eons right now. It is kind of a misnomer because yes, Pog does win their big races, mm -hmm. Flanders, Lombardia, but they win a hell of a lot of World Tour races with non-Pog people too. Agree. A lot of World Tour races without him, and um, it looks like also Benji they've won with uh, one thousand and eighty UCI points from Yates and Pagacha here. And where's Yumbo? Yumbo took. Are we really talking about the stupid 50. UCI world ranking? So they take a 500 point gain, uh, UAE. I don't think Guangxi can tip the balance. So I think, I think UAE have won the UCI points ranking, which means they are the best team in the world and have the best <laughs> season this year. Congratulations. You won the worthless ranking. Globally, they are globally better than hey, Yumbo. It's, it, if it's worth it to secure their sponsorships, I'm happy for them. But I won't care about it. I want to see Raul have his article soon, probably after Guangxi, but I want to see if they had the top 10 riders count versus the top 20 riders count, how that would have changed things, because they changed the rules a lot this year. Uh, I do think it favors the richer teams, actually, um, that, that change of the rules, because the 18th rider on the mid-table teams, even like Bahrain, like they're not scoring a lot of points, uh, whereas Sivakov yep. will come in, he might, he's going to score a lot of points for them uh, next year. How did Bora feel, Benji? I think they're pretty okay. Was Vlasov making a statement today? Vlasov. <laughs> Do you reckon, like, what's the result like? Because we didn't... Did we go through the entire top 10 here? Yeah, yeah, I did, I did the top 10. Vlasov was... Yeah, he was strong on the climb, though. Yeah, was he trying to secure Twitter France leadership next year? <laughs> He's definitely making a statement. Um... <laughs> Like one day, Flazov has always been decent the last few years. And so. these climbs of this duration, he's really, really good. Like Valenciana on Magmo Tibi, he was yeah. very, very good um, last year. He's good on these duration climbs and this gradient. So, and yeah, you're right. One day where it races, really the consistency and the longer climbs and Grand Tours has as, um, been his Achilles heel. But yeah, yeah, I can't wait to see, put you on the spot. You're Belgian, allegedly. Allegedly. Is, is Keanu to Brooks on Bora in 2025? No. Is Vlasov? Yes. Ooh. You don't think so, eh? And that's why I did why that, that's why I said yes, because you don't think so. UAE. <laughs> you don't think UAE will offer him money? What if what, what do you mean why? What do you mean why? Because <laughs> they can score points. I'm not having this conversation. I'm not. I'm not allowing you to have this conversation with they yourself will, right now. I will. <laughs> it actually would be a really, really good hilly one day counter punch with Yates and Pogacar. Actually, would. there have to be other riders also on the market that year. No, it's not just Vlasov that exists. Hinley in theory. Yeah, that's true. But Martinez, if he's on a one year. Yeah, I'm not going to the rest of the list. By the way, like. <laughs> We, so we spoke about the Quickstep thing, like, if Bacala is reducing his interest in the sport a bit yeah. and finance, if you're Remco, that's the worst fucking news you could have gotten, eh? <laughs> Fuck it, Quickstep, and they don't invest in, like, 
Yeah, and the budget goes down. That's yeah. That sounds like the worst outcome it could have been. Um, but hey, we'll see if that is the final thing. Yeah, come to Ruler Live because it'll be wrapped up by then. So we'll talk about yeah. it, Ruler Live, uh, on November third, uh, the Friday seven o'clock slot. But thanks for listening to the Lombardia re- recap. What do we got next, Benji? Jing- uh, bruh, Logan Paul didn't pay for <laughs> pay for an, an ad slot of Prime on this. <laughs> They can't it's afford that. Actually, the blue one. <laughs> Gee, you go to UK for one one day and you become a roadman and you're <laughs> you're drinking Prime. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not endorsing Logan Paul here, eh? Yeah, sure. Um, what have we got? When, when is when is Guangxi? All jokes aside, I have absolutely no clue when Guangxi is. It is next. Starts next Thursday. It has six really? stages. It has one mountaintop finish. Berwick is going to clean that. Seb Berwick, he won, Dury won Tour of Hainan ahead of Sevilla stage. He is flying, man. So I know Israel didn't doing... race him for two and a half months. They don't, and he's so, he's so good. Not okay, he's, uh, listen, he's not Roglic on five, seven minutes, but he's really good five yeah. to eight minute period. And Guangxi will have a good finish for him. I don't know what Israel were doing with him, honestly. I think we should do an emergency podcast for stage three of the Tour of Turkey. Oh yeah, that looks ridiculous. And and UAE, oh, okay, yeah, UAE sent Vine and and Finn Fisher Black there. Um, Bora also sent a good, a half decent squad there, I think. Absolutely um, no clue. But that climb, the Babadak climb, eighteen point four kilometers at ten point three percent. Is that correct? That is, is that right? It is correct. I've spoken to Emre, a, a Turkish friend of mine, and apparently there's also cobbles at a certain point on the climb, like not pure, not Belgian cobbles, but like. Turkish cobbles, which are like a bit of pavé like. <laughs> Don't thing. act like you know what Turkish cobbles are, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, apparently it's a fucked climb because, like, this is the hardest climb. Wait, how long you say? 18k is 10% with cobbles? 18.4 at 10.3%, and there's cobbles on it at a certain point. And no way it's regular. No, 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 no. No way like, it'll be regular. The first two kilometers are 11%, 125 next one 767 7.4, 11.5, 10.7, 11, 8, 7.9, 12, 12, 8, 14, 15, 5.7, 7, 8, 14. <laughs> what the fuck? We might actually have to do that. I'm not trying to get the rights for that one. That sounds ridiculous. Um, In before Sepulveda attacks like the last fucking mountain yeah, of Turkey. Patrick Bevan out of nowhere <laughs> comes, comes and wins that one. He's not had a great year at TSM. Anyway, uh, we've got those two races coming up. No promises about recaps. Guangxi, we probably will. It's got Anna Jolene, yeah. a, a decent enough start list, uh, I think. But, okay, I, f- I expect you to say something more, but you just, you just stopped when I said, but anyway, <laughs> for the rest of the year, we're not, we're not, do- we're not like relaxing for the rest of the off season, right? We, we got shit coming, right? We do. <laughs> <laughs> Awards? <laughs> Oh yeah, awards. That's a hashtag no days off. Yeah. Awards. Q and A. Uh, I try to get an interview with Sep. Q and A? Q and A. I've been asking this guy to do a Q and A for 17 decades. I've got nothing to say. <laughs> everyone knows it. What do they want? <laughs> what do you want to know? I want everyone to post on the YouTube comments Q and A. Just type in Q and A, post that and that will get his mind. Alright, well, no, we will do a QA. Q and A. Try and do Sep. I really want to interview Mads Pedersen. Um, I like to, you know, put things out there because they might it makes it more likely to happen. But I think Mads Pedersen in a long form interview in the off season would be a really, really good yeah. interview. I've been negotiating with the Trek Sigafredo, Trek Little Trek, Little Little Trek. When's that? I gotta say it right. I don't know. I've been negotiating with them to potentially get Mads Pedersen in a in an interview on, but we're fighting about the time slot. I said I want one hour and a half at least. No, 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 no. Just say 45 minutes, and then when the rider's enjoying it, they'll... Because Remco, we only said an hour, right? Uh, yeah, we said an hour, and then suddenly it was like two hours, yeah. I think. <laughs> anyway, but, uh, yeah. Hey, afterwards, shoot, he shoot said, lower, wait, then, it's already... What's and then he'll go, shoot lower with the time, and then he'll go for it. Is it we might try and do that. Um, I think Pedersen's really, really interesting guy and, and quite funny. And yeah, awards, and then it gets straight into the team previews. Yep. Like before October, it's at the end of November. We're doing, we're going to rattle through the team previews, and there's obviously been a lot of movements. So can't wait to get into those previews. And before you know it, TDU starting in January. So as Benji said, there isn't uh, much time off. The we've got a work, I've got a working holiday going to London and also uh, Paris for the route reveal. We've got the, oh, the route reactions. Yeah. The route, we've got the Giro, 
They will yeah. do it the week before because they now got to get it right. Remember when they released a stage every day or something for a month? Jesus Christ. But no, now they do it a week before the tour. It's brilliant. The okay. Giro. And then the tour is on the 25th of October. So we've got that podcast straight away. Then Ruler Live. Then, yeah, Team Previews. It's going to be great. But I heard a rumor that the Giro has a stage where the Stelvio is in the break formation phase. We'd like Dude, a value of 80 cool. kilometers afterwards. If that is true... I'm going to weep for 17 years. Those mountain stages that got released look horrendous. <laughs> Let's hold their arm. <laughs> they look so bad. And obviously the riders make the race. The riders make the race. Because like we looked at the brutal parkour in week three this year and we thought, oh, wow, it's going to be really exciting. Can Remco withstand it? And then, you know, this year was, was horrific this year. It was, it was the worst Grand Tour I probably ever watched. Um <laughs> It was like yeah. nothing happened. I had to do it. I looked at nothing happened for three weeks. But um, <laughs> so the riders really make the race. So that wasn't even really a criticism of the of the organizers this year. It was just the teams. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I can't wait, Benji. Are you going? Are you going anywhere on holiday? Uh, I'm going on holiday. I think in early January to uh, Denia region. Why are you going uh, to Paris? Are you going to Paris? Oh, I'm going to Paris. You're right. I'm going to visit the bed bugs. What are you doing there? You want any uh, art recommendations? Going to, uh, no, no, no. We're going to, uh, God. Voulez-vous book... un croissant? <laughs> oui, je veux un croissant. Croissant. Uh, je vais. So... You're going a croissant. Je voudrais. Oh, sorry. Je veux. veux. Voudrais. I Both can't words. speak French. <laughs> I, would I would like is je voudrais. And yeah. I want is je veux. I'm in Spanish, you. in Spanish, you don't, if you say that, they're like, oh, why are you being so polite? You're being weird. <laughs> it's very different. Anyway. We're going to my wife's favorite band, and I uh, completely oh, forgot cool. the name of it, so that's a thing. That's awesome. Well, I might go to, um, I don't know what I'm doing uh, next week. No. Well, I'm going to Paris later, after you've know, told me the bedbug situation. I'll be spending a, a month afterwards trying to get rid of bedbugs, so. I am actually worried about them. I was looking at, like, <laughs> do, you have to, do you have to fumigate your luggage or something? Because apparently they've made it to know. the UK now. Really? Like they've crossed the border, I'm yeah. In, I'm in the UK. The bed bugs don't respect Brexit. I'm not okay with that. Yeah. Like, they're everywhere. Why is there an interstation? <laughs> out of Europe means out of Europe bed bugs. <laughs> I'm terrified. All right. Would you rather have COVID or bed bugs right now? I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> I never got COVID. Me neither. I'm like, I just fully... <laughs> we just jinxed ourselves completely. <laughs> I just went full hermit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I moved to a micro state in the Pyrenees, didn't interact with anybody for Mate, three years. We spent can't get every it. day making a podcast <laughs> indoors. Obviously, we were hermits. Yeah, you can't touch me, bro. <laughs> um, unbelievable scene. Mental health, maybe. <laughs> uh, no COVID, at least. Okay, that's all from us. Hope you enjoyed the Lombardia and all the race recaps throughout the year. And uh, we'll see you with maybe something next week. If I reckon there's, I can smell some more news next week. Well, there'll be yeah. another podcast next week, I reckon. Until then. Hopefully good for the sport. Ciao. I think it will be. Ciao.